Mogul Motivation, empowering and inspiring entrepreneurs and dream chasers worldwide, one week at a time. Presented by True Stories Media, and I'm your host, Antoine Twiz-Taylor. What you're about to hear is the first episode in a new Mogul Motivation sub-series titled Aspire Higher. In this series, I interview a variety of entrepreneurs, medical professionals, lawyers, people in various industries who have done amazing things. But it's not just about the amazing things they do. It's about the motivation on how they got there, why they chose this route. In this first episode, I talk with Ron Lofton. Ron owned numerous McDonald's franchises on the west side of Chicago for nearly 30 years. He's going to tell us how he got started in entrepreneurship, why he chose McDonald's, and what was his driving force to keep going. Enjoy. Ron, how did you get introduced to entrepreneurship? How was the bug planted in your spirit? Well, I I, uh, was in corporate America for some 18 years and uh, made my company a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, never felt that I was compensated uh, for my efforts uh, in the manner in which I thought I should have been, nor was I promoted to the level that I thought I should have been because there seemed to have been a glass ceiling for uh, African-Americans at that time in corporate America. So uh, I figured if I could do this for them, I could do it for me. I had a couple of friends, um, three in which one owned a beauty shop, another owned a bar, and another owned an insurance agency. And they all seemed to be uh, happy in their endeavors. And I figured if if they could do something like that, so could I. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to leave a legacy uh, of being able to, to not only uh, uplift my family and myself, but to help my community. Uh, so that's, that, that kind of gave me the bug to, to get in there and roll the sleeves up and, and try to become an entrepreneur and give back uh, to the, to the uh, community. And were you in Chicago at this time? I was, yes. I was in Chicago. Um, My friends were one in Pennsylvania, one in Minnesota, and one in New York. And um, they all looked up to me for some reason, uh, Mm -hmm. because I guess I was a a corporate executive. Uh, But at the same time, I I was looking up at them like, wow, you know, uh, what guts. You know, it takes a lot of guts to stand, stand out there and step out on your own and put your investments, your life savings into uh, a business and, and uh, watch the fruit of your labors uh, flourish. Yeah. So after you got that bug, what was the first step? Like what direction did you, how did you know what direction to go into as far as entrepreneurship? Well, I, I really did, but I, I wanted uh, to find something uh, relatively safe for my investments. Uh, I had uh, some stock options and some things of that nature that I had amassed uh, some pretty decent dollars. Uh, and I started researching and and looked at franchises. And I went to a franchise show uh, at the O'Hare uh, Hyatt and okay. um, researched a bunch of different franchises a lot of them were kind of middle of the road type of, th- of type of things. But uh, one guy said, hey, man, if, if you really want to to look at a franchise that partners with you and 
and you want to be able to get the proper training and things of that nature, you might want to look at uh, McDonald's or, or fast food in general. And that's what started me on the road toward McDonald's. And what year was this real quick? What year was this? This was 1992. 1992, okay. Yeah. Uh, and at that time, I had just gotten a promotion. Uh, and I was uh, promoted to a division manager for a uh, new startup venture in my company that I was working for. Uh, the only problem was I was given the lion's share of the territories, and uh, I would I would leave home on Sunday evening and not get back home till Friday evening. Wow! And my territory was Chicago to Hawaii. Um, Hawaii wasn't bad in in February though. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I bet. I bet. <laughs> Uh, good right now. Yeah, I had some 200 some guys working under me. Uh, but the problem was that uh, two thirds of the uh, startup uh, budget uh, was put in my lap. And uh, mm. I, I wasn't compensated for that. And, and uh, I just really felt that uh, I was being uh, misused. I'm not going to say ill used, but misused. Uh, to do a lot of things that that uh, people that were vice presidents, uh, you know, instead of a vice president, I was a director. Mm. So uh, stock options between those two are very, very big. Trust me. Yeah, I bet. So I bet. Yeah. So um, so you were at this conference for uh, franchising. Correct. And- and someone suggested McDonald's and right. he was like, okay, McDonald's it is. Well, no, no, it wasn't that easy. I went to a, uh, a McDonald's, McDonald's seminar in Lake Tahoe. Okay. And everybody I talked to, um, particularly African-American franchisees, and there wasn't that many at that time. Uh, and there still isn't, there's less than, uh, 260 African-American franchisees that there's something like 37,000 franchises worldwide. That's a huge Uh, gap. So that's a huge gap. And, um, but everyone that talks says, man, we're like a family. Everybody helps one another. Uh, if you need anything, here's my number, give me a call. And, uh, some of these guys were, you know, pretty wealthy millionaires. And I'm like, wow, gave me his personal number. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'd like to be be part of something like this. Right, yeah, that's good. And, that's uh, networking at its finest. Absolutely. And so they they uh impressed me in that uh aspect, but they also impressed me in that they were giving back so much and they were so grounded in the Lord and and you know, they wouldn't start a meeting without a prayer and I'm like, "Wow, man, these these people are for real." Yeah. Um so, so uh, I told my wife, I said, this is something I think we can do, um, you know, but of course I had the, the, the rose colored, colored glasses on, you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I live in Naperville, I'll get a franchise in Naperville and I'll be out there with my folks. Didn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my training was in Gary, Indiana. Um, my uh, first franchise offer was on the west side of Chicago. Uh, which I grew to uh, come to love and and cherish as probably a blessing in disguise. It allowed me to reconnect with my people because I was uh, so delved in in corporate America that 
you know, you don't see that many African Americans uh, uh, as you go to these lavish dinners and conferences and things of that nature. There's a select few. Yeah. But uh, the bulk of my folks were on the west side struggling. And what could I could do to, to help bring something back to the table for people who stood up for me, who marched for me, who gave me an opportunity to go to college and, and that type of thing. So uh, that that was a big driver for me to be able to get back in the community. So it was like a blessing in disguise there that your offer was on the west side of Chicago. Absolutely. So, so um, how does that work? I'm sure it's different for different corporations, right? But you said the offer was on the west side. So basically you have your money to purchase a franchise, right? And they say Correct. these are the areas where you can purchase a franchise. So you have to pick within that area. That's how that works? Uh, kind of, sort of. Uh, they, they, first, they, they'll, they'll start out letting you know that, you know, there's no guarantee that you'll be here in Chicago. Are you willing to move? And, you know, of course, you know, I'm willing to move and for the right, you know, opportunity. Um, secondly, um, they were not giving prime selections to African-Americans. Trust me. Um, mm. But in the same token, I was that brother on the, on the um, stage talking about we need to do this for one another. We need to help one another. Um, they skim the cream off the top and they leave us whatever is left and whatever is left is in the hood and we're not generating wealth in the hood and we're not giving uh, jobs and we're not training our young folks to, to want more, to be more. And so I looked at myself and said, well, what are you doing, Ron? You live in Naperville. You know, yeah. you, you, you drive a fine car, live in a fine house, uh, and you, you eat at the finest restaurants and, and all of that. But have you really gotten your hands dirty, brother, since you got out of college? And so my thing was, uh, let me get back in here and see what I can do. And so I wasn't mad about uh, the franchise offer, although uh, some of my African-American franchisee brothers were, you know, hey, you know, this is all they offer us. But if, if not me, who? Um, my people need me just as, as bad as Naperville needs me. Why, yeah. why would I Why would I go out and give the best to Naperville when I can give the best to the West Side? Yeah. Uh, so that that's what drove me, man. And, and it, it really did. It, it it sounds corny, but but it's true. And it's real. It's real yeah. because uh, it's yeah. you know I'm I'm not a millionaire yet, um, but I have heard stories and I've witnessed personally firsthand how a lot of us Black Americans, African Americans, however you want to say it, we get to the level where we aspire to be, but then once we get there, it's kind of like you know, we just don't look back. And I'm not right. necessarily saying you got to, you know, be giving out turkeys out the back of a truck to everybody or, you know, giving money to everybody, but, you know, your presence is needed. <laughs> and, and that's good. And that's good too. But but yeah. I think at the end of the day, the presence is what's needed more than anything. You know, um, just your presence, you know, just, just to be there, to be available and accessible. I think that's what's necessary. And a lot of us don't do that. A lot of us do. So I don't want to discredit yeah. the fact that a lot of us do do it, but it's still a lot of us that don't, which is unfortunate. And, and you're absolutely right. I, I will tell you a number of people that I have fired have come to, back to me years later and say, man, I want to thank you. I said, why do you want to thank me? 
because what you were trying to uh, impart to me, what you were trying to educate me on about life, about work ethic, about diligence is true. And I wouldn't be where I am today without those things that you taught me and firing me was the best thing that ever could have uh, happened to me. Wow. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's, that's great heavy. humility. That's great yeah. humility and growth, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what year was it when you um, got your first franchise on the West side? So was it 92, 93? i tell you, um, I worked, uh, when I, when I would come back from my trips, my business trips, I would don my McDonald's uniform and I'd go work at the restaurants and I would put in uh, nothing less than 20 to 25 hours uh, between Friday and Sunday evening. Mm. And um, I did that for one year. And on Martin Luther King's birthday, January uh, 15th, 1993, I got my first franchise. Wow. So it was like an omen. It was like everything fell into place. Mm. Uh, didn't come without hard work. I, I will tell you that. Of course. And I worked I work feverishly night and day. Uh, I worked um, almost 15 hours a day, seven days a week for three and a half years uh, because failure was no option. It couldn't be an option for me. Uh, and why was so it not an option? Because I had placed everything I owned into this, this situation. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I had maybe 70% of my wife's backing, but it wasn't all the way. You know, you yeah. know, uh, uh, wives are very protective of what you have gained, and they're not about to, to try and lose it yeah. um, on, a, on a whim. Uh, but my wife believed in me, and she knew that I had the work ethic uh, and that I, I didn't mind working and I didn't mind being side by side with my people. So uh, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, that's um, that's amazing. You know, uh, the fact that you had that determination, that grit. Uh, did you have to, by any chance, go to what was it, the Hamburger University, Hamburger U? Did you have to go through that uh, route? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. There were there was four phases that you went through to become an entrepreneur in the McDonald's system. And um, you, uh, you went through basic operation training and and uh, you went through the advanced operating training and um, you, you went to Hamburger University. Uh, matter of fact, Don Thompson, uh, former CEO of McDonald's and I were in the same class. Wow, look at that. And, um, he had an engineering degree from Purdue and uh, I had a degree in, in sociology and anthropology from uh, Clarion University. So uh, we were two ends of the spectrum, but it all came together at a McDonald's class. Mm. And he was the only Black American CEO McDonald's has had to date, correct? Correct. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, F- fantastic, brother. Fantastic, brother. So you get your first franchise after Martin Luther King's birthday, 93. When did you move to the second one? Uh, it was 95. 95. I moved to the second one, yeah, over on Grand Avenue, Grand and Central Park. Okay. Um, 
And then after that, uh, I went to O'Hare Airport and picked up uh, Terminal 2 and Terminal 3. So you had two at O'Hare Airport? Wow. Yes. Wow. And I was out there for seven years on, mm -hmm. on a 10-year contract and um, did, did very well out there. Uh, wasn't my cup of tea, though. Um, you didn't uh, like the airport? I didn't like the politics of the airport. See, I'm not a political person. I'm, 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 a, I'm a worker. Okay. Uh, you may be smarter than me, but you won't outwork me. And uh, my, my people uh, were not used to being in such a diverse cultural environment. And it was, it was training as you go. Uh, most of the people we hired were from the West Side. Uh, I'm the guy that devised uh, van pools to go to the airport. I'm the guy that devised uh, getting uh, food and drink to the uh, the grounds crews when it when it was uh, snow bound uh, uh, delays. I'm the guy that would go and pick up people on the west side and bring them out there and devise premium pay for people that would go out there and work. Uh, but so he was doing everything from the airport. Well, all I ever got from the airport commission was uh, grief. Uh, luckily, uh, you know, um, Mayor Daly, um, um, Michael Scott, uh, rest in peace, uh, were people that believed in me as well. And, and uh, they would back those folks off at the airport uh, because, you know, here I come, uh, Servomation and, and host uh, uh, Marriott and those folks that have been out there for years, and here comes this African American out here, and uh, he's got a big McDonald's franchise. You know why not us? So, at the end of the day, I was out there seven years on a ten-year contract, made a lot of money, and uh, uh, I felt that my place, my my given call, was the West Side of Chicago. That's where mm -hmm. I felt more comfortable as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went back to the, the West Side. I still own the franchises on the West Side. And my growth then became uh, not in the suburbs, but on the West Side. And when we talk about growth, how many franchises are we talking at this point? And we're going to well, talk about your up, internal uh, growth as well within the corporation. But how many franchises? Right. Well, I picked up, uh, I picked up Oak Park uh, at Austin and Madison. And I picked up Laverne in Madison. I picked up Chicago and Laramie. I picked up Western and and uh, and uh, Madison, and then I still had my my uh, original location of Roosevelt and Kenzie, and Carloff in Madison. So that's what six. There was seven. Seven, and seven. I paired paired down to five uh, because we closed the one on Carloff. Uh, after uh, much chagrin, we we closed that one. And then we uh, sold the one in Oak Park and uh, uh, became very successful at, at where we were. Um, the average restaurant at McDonald's at that time was doing uh, about $2 million in gross sales. Uh, all of my restaurants did over three. Wow. And... Um, it's it, it service to me is a must um, and treating people with respect was a must. My whole thing was, I will not ask you to do anything that I won't do. 
If I ask you to mop the floor, I'll mop the floor. If I ask you to clean the bathroom, I'll clean the bathroom. If I ask you to flip burgers, I'll flip burgers. So a lot of times people will come in and say, Ron, what are you doing in the grill? And I'm working back here with my folks. This is my business. And I want to make sure that your sandwich is right. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you what would you say would be the hardest part of your entrepreneurial journey? Was it securing the financing? Was it the operations? What what was the most challenging part that you had to overcome? In my estimation, it was the operations, okay. trying to get my my folks to understand what appears to be clean to you is not clean to Oak Brook McDonald's. It's a difference. And I know you might not understand it, but this is the greens fees, and this is what we have to do to stay in business. So the grading process was very difficult, and it always will be uh, for the African-American franchisees until we can get a level playing field of a mixture of stores in which we can bring people in that understand um, the, the format for uh, what they call quality service and cleanliness. There, there's three things that McDonald's operates on. And so um, it was important for me. And it's like I was always in a teaching mode, always in a teaching mode. Yeah. Um, it, it, it became frustrating at times, but I, I couldn't give up on my folks. Yeah, that's that's great um, that you didn't lose patience because sometimes people need a little bit more time to get there, right? We, yeah. we always expect, yeah. we expect others to get it how we get it. You know, uh, a friend of mine said that he could never be a coach. He was a very great uh, track and field athlete, but he said he could never be a coach. And I asked him why he was honest. He said, because I can't teach them how to do it. And, and that's, that mm. makes a lot of sense because it does, you know, you have to have patience to teach people how to do things, how to have skill and how to be great. And if you don't have that patience, you're going to fail. And he knew he didn't have that patience. That's why he never even went into that arena. So the fact that you never lost patience with your employees and with your staff and with just people in general is um, it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing because we need that. Sometimes we need that guiding light to get there. Well, I ain't going to tell you that I started out that way. I oh, was I much like I your much, much like your friends, like, what's wrong with these folks? You know, mm-hmm. what, 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 what are they getting taught at home? I fired a guy. He was a manager for me. And I, I thought about it. And I said, oh, man, he has my keys to my store. Uh, so I go into my computer. I says, okay, he lives on so-and-so and so-and-so. I drive over there. I knock on the door. And I says, hey, bro, I need my keys, man. He said, Mr. Lofton, I'm sorry. You know, um, I've learned my lesson. And I said, well, I want you to ponder this for a while and then we'll talk. And he says, well, come in and I'll get your keys. And when I went in, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh my God, he's living like this. Wow. Oh my God. No wonder they don't understand quality service and cleanliness. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I hired him back. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you felt the need to... You had oh, to, man. you had to show him the way and that yeah. this is not how to yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah. You had to serve him. Yeah. So even though you were yeah. was his boss, even though you was the one signing his checks, you still felt the need to serve him. And that's what I'm getting from, from you right now, Ron. It's like, you always felt that urge to serve. 
You know, uh, yeah. you always wanted to serve. That's why you, even though you didn't pick the West Side, that's why you felt at home on the West Side because you love right. to serve. It it just became secondary, you yeah. know, like second nature. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about your growth on the inside of the corporation. So how did you get involved in the uh, Black McDonald's owners? Am I saying it right? Uh, how, what's the acronym for it? Uh, Black McDonald's Owners Association. Yes, yes. How did you get involved in that? And how did you basically eventually become the president of the chapter or was it the nation? I became the president of the chapter and I became the uh, vice president of the nation. Okay. And uh, board of directors for the nation. And uh, I was the president for the board of directors for all the McDonald's operators, black and white. Uh, here in Chicago for uh, almost six years and on the board of directors for 16 years. Wow. Those are huge feats. Those are huge feats. Um, how did you get there? Like, how did it even start? Well, uh, as you could probably tell uh, from our conversation, I'm a kind of a workaholic. Yeah. And so um, they, the, 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 the black McDonald's operators in my estimation needed uh, leadership that was not self-serving, uh, that was, if I'm elected by the people, I will serve the people and I will do the will of the people. And when I was elected, I think my folks understood that I did not take not one franchise while I was president of the, uh, chapters, uh, nor the board. So, uh, they knew I was not in it for self-serving reasons. Okay. And I had their best interests at heart. So we would go, go in and negotiate uh, better deals for people. We would uh, negotiate exit strategies for people, uh, help for people when they needed it, and uh, work diligently to uh, forge a uh, relationship between franchisee and corporation uh, that was not adversarial. Uh, that uh, one hand washed the other. And so um, I think it was recognized uh, both on both sides of the ledger, uh, both from my white and Hispanic counterparts, as well as my African-American counterparts. And um, I, I uh, felt a, everybody say, well, you're a natural born leader. Well, you know, leaders are, are um, groomed and, and leaders are, forged uh, through learning and listening and, and uh, observing other leaders. And uh, I felt like, you know, I was trying to be a melting pot of all the great leaders that I have felt throughout my lifetime um, that, that have shown us the way and has not placed their uh, personal needs ahead of the, the folks, the people. All the success you've had you know, even before you became an entrepreneur, because you say you was very successful in corporate America, even though you wasn't um, compensated properly for it. What would you say was the central motivation for you for all the success in your life? Um, you said that in um, when you started the franchise and this, you know, you didn't failure wasn't an option. You didn't want to let your wife down, you know, things like that. We talked about your conviction to serve. But what would you boil everything down to if you had to pick one central theme for your motivation? 
I guess it would be my grandparents. Um, they were dirt farmers from Mississippi. Uh, my mom died when I was two months old. They had 17 kids and they, and they felt the need to take me in and raise me and uh, taught me a work ethic that was uh, unsurpassed by any college or education that I could have gotten anywhere else. Um, my grandfather couldn't read nor write, um, couldn't sign his name until he was almost 70 years old. Uh, to my aunt taught him how to write his name so he can get his social security check uh, cashed. And so um, I'm looking at this guy and this guy would, you know, we have family in Pennsylvania. He would drive from Mississippi to Pennsylvania and never get lost. And I'm like, how can he do that? And he can't read or write. Wow. He doesn't know I-70 from I-59. Yeah. You know, but he did. And And I'm like, if he can do that, if he can raise 17 kids and never a day on welfare, if he can run his own farm and, and get his crops to a point where he can make money to support his family, the least I could do is to make him proud of me. Mm, the least. So the least I can do. So I was the first one to go to college. Uh, I was the first one to own my own business. I was the first one to do this and to do that, but I never forgot where I came from and how I got there and who got me there. Man, I will tell you, and I tell people this all the time. Uh, we're a little, little clapboard church we used to go to and the old folks there used to put a quarter in my pocket, 50 cents in my pocket. Don't you give up boy. You, you're going to be the one. Don't you give up. And, and I couldn't let them down. I just couldn't. You were your ancestors' wildest dreams, as uh, a famous phrase that floats around social media these days says. Uh, you did great. You continue to do great. You're an inspiration to the West Side. I'm sure your impact is still felt there. Um, I'm sure the amounts of people you've touched and served uh, continue to resonate and inspire. And yeah, that's really all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> that's really all I can yeah. say. Well, I don't, I don't want you to leave in here thinking that I'm a perfect human being. I have faults just like every other human being. Absolutely. And that, that I have done some things that I'm probably not proud of in my life. Uh, but, uh, I have a, a saying that if I can't help you, I sure as hell ain't going to hurt you. And, and that's my motto, man. I, I'm, I'm not out here to hurt anybody. Uh, if I can help you, let me know. I'll do my best. I appreciate the, the conversation. And uh, as you know, friendship is essential to the soul. Yes, it is. Hopefully Ron Lofton's story inspires you to continue to aspire higher and stay on your journey to success. If this episode has benefited you in any way, shape, or form, I ask for two things as always. Number one, leave a five-star review. And number two, pass it on to a friend who may benefit from it as well. A new Mogul Motivation episode will be out this Wednesday. Have a great day, everyone. I'll talk to you soon.